Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Tangled Knot with Deb Rojas. With the help of our Heavenly Mother Mary, undoer of knots, Deb seeks to help us untangle the knots we find and often cause in our own lives. Deborah Rojas, MS, is a psychotherapist and mental health counselor at Integrity Counseling Services. A graduate of Divine Mercy University, Deborah utilizes a variety of approaches within a Catholic Christian framework depending on the needs of the client. These approaches include cognitive behavioral therapy, internal family systems, emotion-focused therapy, forgiveness therapy, person-centered therapy, gestalt techniques, and narrative therapy. She specializes in women's issues, relationship trauma, spiritual trauma, physical and sexual trauma, anxiety and depression, and grief and loss. She also works with priests, pastors, and seminarians, drawing from her background of over 20 years of working in both Protestant and Catholic churches. For more information about Deb and Integrity Counseling, please visit them at IntegrityCounselingPA.com. Once again, the address is IntegrityCounselingPA.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Deb Rojas. to share with you what we have going on tonight. Thank you to the Four Persons Network, whom we are guests of. Um, really appreciate your hospitality here. I am excited, especially because one of my dear friends is coming on the show tonight, Claire Finnegan, with her husband, Bill. Um, they've been married <clears throat> over 20 years, have a gaggle of children, <laughs> and um, a lot of beautiful insight into living at the so, Claire and Bill, can you hear me? I can. Yes, hello and welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Now, I understand you're both calling from different locations. That's right. Correct. So, Claire, where are you calling from? <laughs> um, I'm sitting in our 15-passenger van around the corner from my house so kids don't come knock on the door and bother me. <laughs> Excellent. Good thinking. And Bill, where are you calling from tonight? I'm calling from uh, Firehouse in Philadelphia. I'm working tonight. Well, thank you for uh, for giving us your time even while you're on the, on the job, on call. Um, I just value your friendship so much and uh, over the past couple of years that you guys have been part of my life. You have enriched it and it really helped me grow in my own relationship with the Lord and um, so I know that those who who hear what you have to offer tonight are really going to be blessed by that. So um, let's see, who would like to go first as an introduction? I think first. it's obvious that Claire should be first. <laughs> go. <laughs> go ahead and tell us a so, little bit about yourself, Claire. Okay. Um, well, let's see. So, so I'm married to Bill now for what is it, Bill? Almost 23 years. Yes. And um, uh, we met 
what, 25 years ago, and I was uh, divorced and annulled and had a child already. And uh, mm-hmm. we and married and had nine more. So together, <laughs> Bill, Bill adopted my daughter. So together, we have 10 children. Mm-hmm. And um, I've homeschooled them mostly. We've done a couple years of school here and there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of... Yeah. And Claire, you were on the show a little while ago, actually one of our our highest rated shows talking about catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which you lead at St. John the Baptist in Bridgeport. Um, right. So that was that was really a very, very well-received show and a ministry that you, you are able to take your gifts of education and love for children and also serve the church with. Um <clears throat> So, Bill, if you could, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. And if you want to also introduce the story of your courtship, that would be wonderful. Okay, so I'm a fire paramedic lieutenant in the Philly Fire Department, happily married to my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Claire said, we have we have 10 beautiful, loving children. Um, yeah, so the, the courtship, uh, it started on New Year's <laughs> Eve. <laughs> at a a black tie New Year's Eve fundraiser mm-hmm. that my my now lovely wife and her friend put on. There was a hurricane that tore up Central America, and there was an orphanage that was impacted. So um, she and another gentleman put on a a black tie New Year's Eve event for hurricane orphans. And who can say no to hurricane mm-hmm. orphans? Um, we met there that night and and fell in love, and here we are. So tell the story about how how you decided to dance with her. Okay, so um, <laughs> she was she was she was hostessing and, mm-hmm. and doing a, an absolutely lovely job, and I was doing my best to to be helpful and uh, and to be relevant. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I, along... some guys started following me around and, and asking me every five minutes, "Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you?" That was Bill. So. Um, at one point during the night, she was having a conversation with some other people, and she mentioned that she and her sisters loved to swing dance in the kitchen. Well, my grandmother um, had taught me how to do ballroom dancing and to, mm-hmm. like, just a waltz and a foxtrot. And I had enough skills in that area, um, but I didn't know how to swing dance. Claire and I have a mutual friend. Uh, Eva Brothers, who's an incredible dancer. I pulled Eva aside and I told her she had exactly three minutes to teach me how to swing dance. <laughs> so so she, she taught me the, the, the basic moves and I excused myself to a, a private place and I practiced it, practiced it, practiced it until I was confident that I could I could master it. Mm-hmm. I waited until after we popped the cork after midnight and things just you know, calmed down a little bit. I slipped the DJ 20 bucks, and, and when the ballroom was clear of eligible bachelors, I gave him the signal, and he played his best <laughs> swing song. Um, and then I went over, I asked Claire to dance, and we started dancing. Um, and then he transitioned into a Va- um, Van Morrison slow song. <laughs> um, and then in the middle of that song, um, the conversation was so awesome that we actually stopped dancing. We just stood there talking to each other. Wow. And that, gentlemen, is how it is begun. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that, I love hearing that story. There's so much initiative, Bill, 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And like just following your advice, that's my help. The um you know, the, the learning how to how to swing dance quickly. Um mm-hmm. you know, all all of the it's it just there's so much initiative there where you it's like you saw her and you said there's something <laughs> special about this woman. I saw I saw her earlier in the night dancing with um, our daughter Sophia, and mm-hmm. I could tell the incredible relationship that the two of them had. Mm-hmm. I, I had met a lot of um, young ladies, women, and I always knew that I wanted to have a family. But it was hard for me to to imagine some of these women being mothers. And when I mm-hmm. saw Claire being a mother and being an absolutely incredible mother. I'm like, this is it. This is mm. she's, not only is she gorgeous, <laughs> she's smart, she's funny, she's an incredible mother. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in love. There you go. It didn't take you long. Nope. Um, <laughs> Claire, there are challenges to dating a single mother, are there not? Yeah, definitely. So when in your yes. courtship, in your courtship, um, you know, we had talked about you sharing what, whatever you are comfortable sharing from that that um, that part where after the first magical moment of introduction, the work began. Right. Yeah. Challenges. I mean, <clears throat> kind of an obvious one is that I, when you have children. Um, it's a lot harder to get out of the house. <laughs> and so uh, dates don't necessarily look they, the way they might look if you don't have children. And uh, so Bill Bill would come over to my place, and he helped Sophia with her homework while I made dinner after work. And, you know, we'd put her to bed and sit and watch a movie and, Bill was always very willing to to um, adjust his idea of what dating looked like um, mm-hmm. in the interest of the little one. So um, I guess that's that was one challenge. But but with you know dating Bill, it didn't really feel like a challenge. I mean, mm-hmm. he was so accommodating. It was easy, really. Well, she clearly did have challenges when we were dating. Um, personal stuff and working full time mm-hmm. and uh, other things and and the cumulative stress of all of that plus the fact that when I was an idiot um, she ended up <laughs> for for good well, reason and sometimes for no reason oh yeah <laughs> but still uh, she ended up breaking up with me on a pretty regular basis <laughs> um, I think for the, it was, the average was about every six weeks mm-hmm. and <laughs> she would. <laughs> <laughs> she would she would break up with me, and mm-hmm. and we would continue to be friends because I had plans. Of, you know, I, I broke up with Claire, but I still had plans to do homework with Sophie, or she had a soccer game, or she whatever. Uh, you know, and I, um, I was so I would continue to be in their lives as a friend, and you know, one thing leads to when another. The, and, when life got a little less stressful, I'd say, oh, I guess I could. I guess I could date my best friend again <laughs> and we'd be on again. And then, yeah, yeah, we had, I, yeah, I was going through a custody battle and working full time and um, yeah. it's exhausting. Yeah. It's hard enough being a single parent and then you want to 
throw romance in there, boy, that's really, really something. But Bill was so patient. It continued it for two years, and then on New Year's Day, or day after our second our second anniversary of meeting each other, um, she called me up and she said she wanted to get breakfast. So we we met at a little restaurant, and she mm-hmm. told me that she was breaking up with me, and I told her <laughs> she wasn't allowed. <laughs> she said you, you can't do that. I uh-huh. said well, I can't as your I can't as your boyfriend, but as your best friend, I'm telling you, you're not allowed. Mm. She said, that's not how, what? And that's I told ridiculous. Her that that's not me, how this works. <laughs> and I said, if she gave me one good reason, um, I would walk away and she would never see me again. And she gave me her first reason, which was, I don't know, she, that you know, it, she wasn't a good person. And I said, I, that's not for you to decide. That's for me to decide. And then she gave me mm-hmm. her second reason, which were her pants were the wrong color or whatever the silly reason was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, that's ridiculous. We're not, you know, that's not a real thing. And then the truth came out and she said, well, what if I wake up one day and I'm not in love with you? Mm-hmm. I said, well, then you'll be married to your best friend. <laughs> Where's said, the problem? We've been doing this for the past two years. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Feelings come and go and, you know, but we're best mm-hmm. friends and we're committed to each other. So how is that different? And I thought, oh, yeah, he's right. <laughs> he has mm-hmm. some good so, topics there. Yeah, yeah, we sorted some stuff out. Four months later, we were engaged, and by the fall, we were we were happily married. Yep. Happily married and helping each other to heaven. Hopefully. <laughs> Trying. Helping. Bill's a tough one, though. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Yes, I say that with a big smile on my face because the helping each other to heaven is really part of the challenge of marriage, of living with someone else, loving them unconditionally, forgiving constantly, um, you know, overlooking the small things. Um, So, Bill, you have wonderful insight into women that I think it would be helpful for our male listeners. That mm-hmm. um, has to do with the uh, your point system. That's that's interesting you say that. I've never considered it to be necessarily an insight into women. Um, I've always viewed it as more of being an insight into men, and more more guidance and instruction to young men of how to mm. conduct themselves appropriately in relationship mm-hmm. with a woman, right? Because it, there's there's nothing. It, wrong with what women do. It's what they do and it's how they do it. And men have mm-hmm. to um, recognize the, 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 the variables that are at play so that mm-hmm. they can you know, be successful. Yeah, so this is the, so the point system. Mm-hmm. The point system mm-hmm. is based on a, an assumption that men and women are different. Um, <laughs> and this the, the difference is are like deeper than any of us realize that men and women are physiologically different to degrees that science is even now still learning about. Um, for mm-hmm. example, the eyes, men and women's eyes are, are there's a different breakdown of rods and cones. Um, men are better at seeing movement and better at low light vision, which makes them better hunters and women 
um, have much better color reception. They can actually perceive more colors than men can hmm. uh, in, in, uh, in aggregate, which makes them better at, at you know, this is the, the, the idea is that men are hunters and women are gatherers. And like when a woman goes out to, you know, provide for her family, it's one nut, one berry, one nut, one berry. Mm-hmm. And when a man goes out to hunt, you can get a squirrel or you can you know, get a wildebeest. <laughs> and if you get a squirrel, you're out hunting, you know, before you're done eating. But if you get a wildebeest, you can take, you know, a couple of weeks off, you know, um, <laughs> you smoke the meat and, and mm-hmm. you, you, you can get a bit of a break. So that's that's the difference. And the way that that plays out in relationship is that men screw up. All the time, Tuesday, Thursday, and twice on the weekend, right? <laughs> we just, we make mistakes all the time. And what, when a man makes this mistake, he uses his own logic to apologize for and, and make mm-hmm. amends for and atone for the things that he has done wrong. So if he makes the biggest mistake of his life, right, he thinks, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I, I have really, really screwed up and I am really, really really sorry so he goes out and he buys her a bmw and puts the bmw in the driveway and then he puts a red bow on it right and then it brings his his wife out there and honey i am sorry and this is this is my way of saying i'm sorry to you and in his mind that was a seventy eight thousand dollar car so he got seventy eight thousand points for that apology and when she comes out she sees the car and the bow and she says, okay, that's two points, one for the car and one for the bus. <laughs> right? And this, this, uh, so as soon as you recognize that um, men and women count differently, I'm following. The one, not one, berry, one, not one berry versus the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the wildebeest, then men can um, conduct themselves accordingly. Appropriately within the relationship, and, and the way that looks is is the, the point system that <laughs> men have to be considerate. Right? There's a, a perception, uh, at least as I was coming up, that women wanted a man who was sensitive. That's that's not what men are are and are good at. Mm-hmm. In, in, in general, they have they they can be good at it, but that's not generally what we're good at. Um, women are sensitive. Men have to recognize women's sensitivity. They have to be sympathetic and empathetic to the, the, what's happening in your wife's life and in her heart. And then you have to take action, mm-hmm. um, respecting what's happening in their life. And that's called being considerate. Okay, Men have to be considerate. Men have to be action-oriented, have to be protectors and providers. And action and, is part of being masculine, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So um, the point system is that you have to get at least two dozen points every day. And a point is something as simple as during dinner, you say, thank you for for making this meal. And these mashed potatoes are are really, really smooth. What did you do something different with them? I'm really enjoying this. And that's a point. Mm -hmm. And and as you walk past her in the kitchen, you just, like, brush her hair. That's another point. Um, <laughs> you're at work, and you send her an emoji of a heart or a flower, and that's a point. Um, <laughs> just if, you're, if you constantly are, are, are doing these small things, communicating that 
you are thinking about her and you are mm-hmm. like planning and preparing to to uh, take care of her. If you do, if you get your 25 points a day, then your wife is going to feel protected and provided for. She's going to feel loved. And when you have your hormonal high tide, which happens every 28 days, um, there's this, this, this flawed assumption that um, when women's hormonal high tide happens, they immediately become bitchy. It's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Just because they have adversity doesn't mean that they're, they're going to have you know, uh, negative emotions. Mm-hmm. If you're getting your points leading up to it, when the hormonal high tide happens, you come home to a wife who you know, is in the kitchen baking cookies for you with tears in her eyes. <laughs> and that's, mm-hmm. that's the basic, you know, how, how the point system works. So the point system is a very, a very um, consistent reminder. I am thinking about you. I love yes. you. Present in my mind. I am, my mm-hmm. heart is oriented towards you. Yes. And your needs. Um, and I yes. might be clueless and I might be oafish and I might be an idiot at times, but I really care. Well, I will be. <laughs> not a mic. <laughs> so, Claire, what is it like to be on the receiving end of that? Well, I feel like I need to, to like, um, to add a little something to that, which is Please. Um, Bill, Bill takes, uh, maybe he's taking for granted <clears throat> that he also mature, he also really works hard and does mm-hmm. the right thing and provides. And so, like, all, all these things are sort of like the emotional uh, health, the, the connection. But, mm-hmm. you know, fellas should not get the idea that you can be like a bum and not do the things that you're supposed to be doing and send a sweet emoji to your wife and everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. This is like, this is like, you know, when there's a basis of, of um, hard work and commitment and, you know, those kinds of real things. Mm-hmm. And then this kind of sits on top of that. So what's it like to be on the receiving end? It's wonderful. I mean, it's, um, it's uh, it's true that we want to be thought of. It's true we want to be considered. It's true mm-hmm. that um, that we want to be thought of throughout the throughout the day, and mm-hmm. and uh, it does make a difference. So I mean, I'm a pretty lucky lady to have that kind of consideration every day, all day. <clears throat> and you know what's funny is it all, it hits me. It gets me almost. I mean, it very often, I'm still not like, I don't even expect it, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, it gets me. He'll um, surprise me just by thinking about me. And mm-hmm. it's, it's very lovely. Yeah. I've been with you when you get a text from him and you, you see it and you go, oh, or there's, there's <laughs> some kind of really like, Bill, you should see it's so sweet to see her responses to the things that you said. It's really, it's, it's, it's received in a very heartfelt way. And, um, and that, that is, I think a good segue, Claire, to part of a conversation that you and I began. How this particular spousal relationship that you guys are talking about really has more to do with and points to 
the spousal relationship that we have with our Lord as lover and beloved. And uh, you were sharing some of your insights with me about that. And um, so I'm wondering if you remember what we were talking about. Yeah. I mean, I think um, we're called to have a spousal relationship with, um, with God. Mm -hmm. Um, We are his beloved. Right. And, and I think that uh, a beautiful thing that can happen in a in a healthy marriage is that that relationship can point us mm-hmm. to the that spousal relationship that we're called mm-hmm. to have with God. And so, um, I mean, one I think one way that we can help each other uh, get to heaven is to show forth God's love for each other, like through each, through each other, right? Like mm-hmm. God's love can come through me to Bill and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so that as, as we are called to pray continuously, we're called to pray all day, right? We say pray unceasingly. Mm-hmm. I think that Bill's um, point system, as he calls it, uh, mirrors that that we are always thinking uh, of each other and the way, you know, we, we think of God first, we consider him first, and then we mm-hmm. think of each other. It is a, it's a, having Bill love me, then one of the, um, the best ways for me to grow in my understanding of how God loves me. Mm-hmm. And that, and that certainly helps guide me, um, Mm. you know, to live a more holy life, knowing that, that God loves me like Bill does, but even more. You know, as a counselor, um, so many of the people that I work with are coming in with relationship wounds. And so often those relationship wounds get in the way of being able to give and receive love from God from being able to picture him often as a loving father or mm-hmm. as lover of our souls, the Holy Spirit is the the comforter. Um, you know, those things are just so hard to imagine because our human relationships have not been very formative to that end. So you're right. really talking right. about how in that aspect, love has the power to heal the trauma of our hearts. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and when we first, I mean, part of the reason why I kept breaking up with Bill when we were dating was because I didn't trust, I couldn't trust, you know, mm-hmm. after my really disastrous first marriage. And, um, and then even when we were first married, I had a really hard time trusting and, mm-hmm. but Bill's consistent, love over mm-hmm. time changed it and you know I, I remember I had I was really afraid to ask for things even mm-hmm. just simple things like would you please go downstairs and turn the heat down or would you well, I, was, I was constantly asking for cheese in the middle of the night when I was you know nine pregnancies <laughs> together I'd be really nervous and hesitant and mm. and he'd say what is it and I'd say well I don't, I'm so tired but I really need a piece of cheese and and he would say, it's my honor to get you a piece mm-hmm. of cheese. He would say, 
he would get upset. Please ask me for things. You know, I right. it hurts and me. You were if you apologizing, don't ask me. apologizing for the need, like it was an inconvenience. Yes. Where yes. for him, it was an opportunity to actively love you. Yes. And but I'll tell you, it took know. years of that mm-hmm, <laughs> to change how I felt about it because of the wounds from previous relationships. It took, but I, you know, I had to be brave. I had to trust him, and I had to be brave. Mm-hmm. And do it even though it was scary, and um, and it, there was immense healing that happened mm-hmm. over, a, you know, a period of time. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing. What a blessing. So, Bill, I think that one of the, go ahead, yes. please. I think that one of one of the things that is different in our relationship than in a lot of other relationships that I I hear about and I mm-hmm. see. I mean, I'm, you know, in a, in a male-dominated profession, is that Claire and I are best friends, mm-hmm. and that has that has massive implications um, for our relationship. And when I when I ask guys, you know, is your wife your best friend, mm-hmm. and they get a puzzled look on their face, I say, hold hold on a minute, let's just think about this for a second. What if someone cheated on your best friend? They're like, oh, I'd be, I'd be pissed off. Mm-hmm. Like, well, then, then treat your wife like your best friend, and there is no chance that you would ever cheat on her. Mm-hmm. And you can see their, their, their brains start to light up. Mm-hmm. And when, when you're married to your best friend, we plot and plan every day <laughs> to try and come up with ways to do nice things for each other. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's just fun. We enjoy working together and mm-hmm. yeah. the, the, the flip side is that for the last 20 years of my life, I have had someone doing nice things for me every day. That's, that's awesome. That is I tell awesome. people I'm, I'm powerball lucky. Like, I don't play the lottery because I already won. <laughs> There's another part of that though, that, which is, um, also, I see in relationships people um, disengaging mm-hmm. if something's difficult or if there's some issue that they have with their spouse. And early on, Bill and I used to talk about, um, we used to say to each other, I love you enough to fight about this with you. Now, this is, this uh, is when I say fight. This is like this uh-huh. is a healthy, productive fight. But if you're not willing to get in into it, um, when there's some issue going on or you see your spouse doing something that's not good for them or that they, you know, they need to change or improve on, um, you can't shy away from, from conflict, from healthy conflict. Um, you have to enter into it in, in loving charity, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, in loving concern um, and challenge them to do better for their own sake and for the sake of the relationship. So it's not always, it's not always, you know, um, pretty roses and puppies. Absolutely. It's messy, but true. Right. But true charity is willing to get, you know, really get your hands dirty and Mm -hmm. um, sometimes put the gloves on. (laughs) So what you're saying is that love is not avoided. Yeah. Right. 
so that that segues nicely into uh, before we got married. I was uh-huh. sitting in another firehouse. It's actually the firehouse just to the south of the one that I'm working in right now. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with a a just an absolute just a gentleman a guy named Bobby mm-hmm. Crossfield. And I shared with Bob that you know I was I was really really smitten with I was in love with Claire and he had met Claire at the Christmas party and, and whatever. And I said, how do you know? How do you know like when it is, she's the one? Uh, and he said, and I'm going to keep, he was going to give me the advice that his German father gave him. He said, does she work? I said, yeah, she, she has a job. He said, no, 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 no. Lots of people have jobs. Does she work? If there's dirty dishes in the sink, does she wash the dirty dishes? Cause there shouldn't be dirty dishes in the sink. If there's mm-hmm. trash on the floor next to the trash can, does she throw the trash away? Does she work? I said, yeah, she's single mom. She's got, got her degree. She works harder than you and me put together. He said, well, there you go. We both know she's gorgeous. We both know you guys like each other. Mm-hmm. If she works, marry her because life is hard. Mm. And if you marry someone who lays on the sofa when things are, are, are easy – Mm-hmm. Then when things get hard, they're not going to work. You're going they're, to and, run. And yeah. They're going to right, run or freeze, whatever. But if you mm-hmm. marry someone who has a work ethic, right, and has faith and has a work mm-hmm. ethic, you'll be good to go. When life gets hard, they will work with you. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we have, we have had some very hard times in our 20 mm-hmm. years. It has not been all puppies and roses. I was shortly after um, we were married, I was – diagnosed with PTSD and I crashed and burned and we went through bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. We went through foreclosure, lost the house. And when we got through all of that, our youngest of 10 was diagnosed with cancer. And, and mm-hmm. there wasn't a day of it where I wasn't confident that Claire had my back mm-hmm. and times when I wasn't, I wasn't strong enough to do it. She would, mm-hmm. you know, and, and every single one of Beatrice's, uh, chemo treatments and like every single one of them, we were both there. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that's because loving, not only yes. are we husband and wife, we are best friends. Best friends, mm-hmm. loving and supporting each other. Mm-hmm. And you know, you are really a cord of three friends because Christ is the one that holds the two together. Right. And, right. and, and I, mm-hmm. I would say also that you also there's those a level on which you have to also be just committed to um, to the marriage itself, mm-hmm. right? So that, um, you know, sometimes you're not feeling it. And I remember, this is early on, but I remember there were times when I was just, we were really going through a rough patch and Bill would say, I love you. And I couldn't even muster up, <laughs> and I love you too. But I would mm-hmm. say to him, I would say I am committed to you <laughs> mm. because I mm-hmm. was, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe I didn't feel that the other. And of course, of course, like I, I did love him on some level, but, but, but what I was feeling in that moment was, was just committed. Like I'm committed to this relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm committed to this marriage. I'm committed, I'm committed to, to, you. to this person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, I think wonder also, if you- Go ahead. Go on. 
I was, I'm, I'm wondering if in that moment, too, like, would love have been more of a romantic in your mind at that point? What's the question? If if you if it was hard for you to say I love you too, were you thinking romantically in the way that romantic love is yeah. gone in courtship, but the friendship right, too? right, right, and the yeah, there's there's a there's I, I remember seeing this short a little interview with a a rabbi a Jewish rabbi and he was saying um, if a man says you know I don't I really don't I never thought I'd get married. I don't really want to be married, but I met this woman and I'm totally in love with her. And so I'll marry her. And he said, that's really dangerous. That's a bad idea. He said, you want to, you want to um, love the idea of, of marriage itself mm-hmm. too, because you're not always going to be, you know, what happens if he doesn't think that his wife is just, you know, the best thing ever anymore because the whole reason he got married is because of her, not because he thinks marriage is this good mm-hmm. unto itself, right? And so there's something about um, understanding, respecting the institution of marriage that right. also is important, I think. And also, and, and, within, and, within our faith is a sacrament. So we mm-hmm, have a location mm-hmm. and, a, and a sacrament that is really, truly designed by God to help us and the children that come from that union as well. And the, the, the benefit, the benefit to looking at it the way that, that Claire does and expressing it the way that she does is that it, it sets you up to carry you through um, hard times that you can't even imagine. Hard mm-hmm. times that we, we have not yet experienced and, I'm, and I hope mm-hmm. we don't for a very, very, very long time. But when you get to the end of your life and if, if God forbid one of us becomes disabled and is, is unable to Mm -hmm. um, participate in the friendship and in the marriage, the way that we currently are because of Alzheimer or Parkinson's or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that commitment to the vow, the commitment to the, 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 the being the couple will carry you through that. Mm. Yes, that is powerful. And that really reminds me of um, St. Louis and Zelie Martin, whose feast we celebrated last week on Thursday. And, uh, you know, two two saints who both worked extraordinarily hard um, at their trades and had a husband of children who, and I believe it was four who died in child. In childhood, is that right, Claire? I think it was three or four. It was a, it was a lot. It was a lot. So they suffered a lot of grief together, um, and yet they had a, a number of blessed now and uh, Saint Therese as well. Um, and we have them to thank for really helping with their love to show their family the love of God. In the good times, but particularly in the hard times. And that's when we need the vow. That's when we need to commit the most. So, any any final words of wisdom, Bill, that you'd like to share with us? 
I'm smiling. What kind I have of... a second smile on my face right now. <laughs> no, just you know, treat your spouse like your best friend. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. Simple, not easy, but very true. What about yeah. you, Claire? It, it does. It does get easy. It, it becomes enjoyable. Mm, right. Once once you experience it, like you'll realize there's really no other way, and it's fun. <laughs> that is a very strong selling point. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I would add is that I think today um, there's a, a great danger of making romantic love an idol. Um, mm-hmm. And that for a healthy marriage, you, you really you need to put God first. Um, otherwise, you know, you're, you have disordered love. Um, mm-hmm. if you, if you are not doing that, if you end up putting your spouse, um, or, or your family in general, mm-hmm. um, higher in your list of priorities than God, that'll, you'll just have to, it'll be disastrous. Because, you know, you'll be disappointed. Um, so I think that's uh, that's just an important thing for people to keep in mind. It's a, And I think also that, like, when the family is under attack, we, I think we can say that very easily, that, right, the family mm-hmm. is under, attra- under attack. And, and we are fighting for this um, true good. Sometimes um, when we're fighting for this true, this really true good noble good it can it can slip easily slip into idolatry mm-hmm. so i just think that that's a caution i would give to people to watch out for that thank you thank you both so much for being on the show tonight um, i do have sure. really I do have one more yes please Deb, i do i do have one more piece of advice to the uh, to the guys out there and that is to recognize that um, emotions for women are essential and that so when when I communicate with my wife and my nine daughters, um, I, I, I keep in my heart, in, in my mind, the reality that their emotions are as important as their thoughts mm. and they can often be different. Right. Mm-hmm. So first I'll, first I'll say, how, you know, how do you feel? And then they, they tell me how they feel. And they're like, well, is that what you think also? <laughs> and, and um, every night, Claire and I, uh, we lay down, say prayers. I ask her to unpack her heart mm. and she shares with me the emotions of the day mm-hmm. and, and the things that were, like significant for her mm. and you, you can't get to talking about things logically until you first deal with the emotional mm-hmm. reality. Mm-hmm. So just recognizing that those are, are separate and equal and integrated. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a mystery of women. Yeah. And <laughs> if we try a, to rationalize them away. There's a genius in it. Yeah. There's a, geni- there's a genius in it, and, and if I listen to it, it, it dramatically mm-hmm. improves the quality of my mm-hmm. life. 
Didn't uh, didn't JP two call that the feminine genius? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a smart guy. Absolutely. Yeah. And if we try to rationalize emotions away and devalue them, we're really devaluing the person and their experience. Sure. Yeah. And and as a as a therapist, you're devaluing half of the brain. Mm-hmm. Or you have the logical, reasonal half of the brain, and then you have the emotional and, mm-hmm. and um, music and, and where poetry mm-hmm. and all that comes from. Yeah. Well, Conrad Bars, um, he he developed the um, emotional deprivation disorder, which was from having emotions essentially be denied instead of seen and validated. Mm-hmm. And um, when we, you know, look at the simplicity of saying, I see that you're sad right now, and I'm really sorry. Instead of saying, why are you sad? What's wrong with you? Right. There's nothing to be sad about. You know, it's like one is very empathic and understanding and and sees the person, and the other is judgmental and also tries to rationalize away a feeling. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Bill. That's a really really wise insight and, you know, a gentle approach. A gentle approach to a to the tender heart of a of a woman. So, um, in closing tonight, I would like to um, say a prayer to um, our married saints, Saints uh, Louis and Julie Martin. And um, thank you again, Claire and Bill, for being on the show. Um, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Saints Louis and Billy Martin. Teach us every day to discover and recognize the triumph force of love over suffering encouraged by Therese. Let us accept as you did, entrusting ourselves for adoption to the Virgin Mary and St. Joseph for all our healing. Thank you, Louis and Zara and Martin, as you show us the way to choose and to accept our adoptions as sons and daughters and to live in Nazareth, like in Nazareth, in our own families. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Mary, as you have not, pray for us. St. Louis Belly Martin, pray for us. us. All right, thank you guys, and thank you listeners. You're welcome. Good night. Blessings. Thanks. Good night, guys. All right, bye-bye. just heard the tangle knot with Deb Rojas on the Four Persons Network. Real sound Catholic counseling that helps us to fulfill the greatest commandment to love God with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole strength, and yes, our whole mind. We will see you next week for another wonderful show with Deb Rojas. The Four Persons Inc. is a registered 501c3 nonprofit. All rights reserved. 
Any unauthorized use of this content without the permission of the Four Persons Inc. and our hosts is prohibited and subject to legal action. Thank you.